Welcome to the fourth session in our webinar, Understanding the Times. In this session, we're going to look at a critique of woke, a Christian and a liberal critique of woke. And for this session, again, I am depending very much on the teaching of Dr. Neil Shenvey from shenveyapologetics.com. You can access his material there and find some of the material that I have borrowed from there and also uh, stuff, other stuff which I'm not using in this presentation. Now, we, we begin by looking at the strengths of woke. Any, any criticism's got to begin with, well, what's good about it, first of all? And there are many, many things which are positive about some of the critical theories or the woke teaching as such. One of the greatest strengths of critical theory is it recognizes that oppression is evil. Also that it focuses on groups rather than individuals, provides insight on how laws and institutions can promote sin. It looks at hegemonic power, recognizing it does exist and can have an insidious effect on our norms and values. So it is provides in, uh, insight also into how laws and institutions can promote sin. Laws, institutions can promote sin. I believe there are laws and institutions today that promote sin. Also, we re see how uh, it recognizes hegemonic power in as much as this can have an insidious effect on our norms and values. Here we have good old Barbie. And um, this is Hollywood, Madison Avenue, definition of standards of beauty and sexuality and race. And I think it's important that we confront hegemonic power when it operates in these ways. But there are some conflicts between critical theory, liberalism, and Christianity. Now, why I throw in liberalism here is I've got a whole study on how liberalism is affected by critical theory. But what many liberals don't know is many of their values, such as equality, freedom of speech, and justice, and fair-mindedness, these have come into contemporary uh, Western culture historically through so much that the gospel has to present. And the values that liberalism depend on are values that really come from God, and using those values is stealing from God unless you recognize where they come from. Now, the first and most fundamental problem with critical theory is that it functions as a worldview. Now, what is a worldview? A worldview answers some basic questions about life and reality. Who are we? What is our fundamental problem as human beings? What is the solution to the problem? What is our principal moral duty in life? What's our purpose in life? And so a worldview is a meta-narrative through which we view and interpret all other claims. And so here we have a comparison between Christianity and critical theory to show that they are competing world views. Christianity teaches that we are created in the image of God. We are the creatures of a holy God, a loving God, a creator God. Teaches that our fundamental problem is sin. 
we have rebelled against God. It teaches us that the primary solution or the solution to our problem is redemption. Jesus came to bear the sins of the world to rescue us. And our primary duty in life, purpose in life, is to love God, to glorify God. Critical theory also functions as a worldview, but it tells a totally different story, yet it's comprehensive, it is overarching story, it's a meta-narrative. Critical theory, though it owes its roots to postmodernism, has departed from postmodernism inasmuch as postmodernism says there is no bigger story. It's all fragmented, but see, that's not very good if you want to be a political activist. You've got to have a meta-narrative. You've got to have a story. So critical theory recognizes this and has, I would say, invented one. Now, their comprehensive story is different. It doesn't begin with creation. It begins with oppression. That's a huge difference. If you begin with creation, you recognize that you are accountable to God. You're created in the image of God that you are called and you're accountable to God. But if you begin with oppression, if that's, if that's where your story begins, you begin with hurt, you begin with violence, you begin with anger, and you don't have a higher category of God's superintending power and creativity. So it begins with oppression. There's no transcendent creator. We don't exist in relationship to God. And we instead define ourselves, not as God's creatures, but we define ourselves in the categories of oppressed and oppressors. And we see ourselves in identity groups as race, class, sexuality, gender, identity. Oppression, not sin, is the fundamental problem. So what's the solution? The solution is activism, changing structures, raising awareness. We work to overthrow and dismantle hegemonic power. That's our primary uh, uh, purpose, to, that, that's our solution and our primary moral duty. So, but what is our purpose? Our purpose then is to work for the liberation of all oppressed groups so that we can achieve a state of equity. Does that sound like the gospel of Jesus Christ? Critical theory and Christianity answer some of the most fundamental questions that there are but they answer them differently. Who are we? God's creatures or members of various groups? What is our problem? Sin or oppression. What's the solution? Jesus or liberation. What's our duty? Loving God or liberating the oppressed. What's our purpose? Glorifying God or working for liberation. Then it comes on to this thorny question of epistemology, not just world, uh, view, but epistemology. Epistemology is how we come to knowledge, how we come to understanding. And so when somebody makes a truth claim, we automatically want to want to ask, is this train claim true? How would we investigate it? But now critical theory doesn't do that. Somebody makes a truth claim. The first question is not, is this claim true? But what has this person got to gain from making this claim? What social or political agenda is motivating this statement? How does this claim function to preserve that person's power within their group of privilege or position in the whole of society? And so the emphasis is shifted away from truth into 
from a claim which is looked at in terms of reason and logic and looking at the evidence or coming on to what C.S. Lewis called bulverism. Bulverism, which is just if those C.S. Lewis lovers will know about this. So when it comes to claims of truth, the, the question is not um, followed through and checked out in terms of reason, logic, argument and evidence, but what is the motivation? What is the hidden agenda? Why is that person saying what uh, they are saying? And so when it comes now to any claim, which is a, a truth claim, they'll say, well, is this claim maintaining supremacy? If it's an oppressed group that is saying it, it's maintaining supremacy. Sorry, if it, is, if it is a dominant group, it's maintaining supremacy. If it's an oppressed group, it's internalized oppression. That person is accepting this claim and making such a statement because they've internalized oppression. You cannot win. We understand what this might mean if we are trying to compare critical theory with the Bible or talking to critical theorists or woke people from the Bible, they will say, no, no, no. So we say, listen, listen, look, do you think the Bible teaches that abortion is wrong? That's because you're trying to control women's bodies. Do you think that the Bible teaches that homosexuality is a sin? That's because you're motivated by homophobia. Do you think the Bible teaches that husbands have the responsibility to lead their family? That's because you're trying to preserve male supremacy. We've heard many of these things before. Many of these things before. So this is bulverism. And what it says is don't investigate a claim on its own merits. Investigate with truth and evidence and reason and logic. Find out who's saying it. If it's an oppressed person saying it, it's internalized oppression. If it is a, a dominant from a dominant group saying it, it's because that is their hegemonic power at work. It really is quite unacceptable for Christians. Another aspect of this is the adversarial relationship between individuals. Now, this is another reason why there is a conflict between critical theory and Christianity. First of all, we pointed out that it was a worldview in conflict with the worldview of the Bible. Secondly, it's epistemological claims. In other words, it's claims as to how truth is, is perceived and known, is, is, is based on identity groups. It's not based on objective reason or scientific evidence or, or, or argument. No, it is just who says it that counts. And now we come to this third thing, the adversarial relationship between individuals. Now, this is really, really troubling because what it says is that you have to divide society into the groups of those who are oppressed and those who are the oppressors. Now, if you thought that all human beings shared some fundamental universal identity marker, you would have to look at divisions and oppression in a different kind of way. You see, this severely undermines the dichotomy between oppressor and oppressed if you call into question the foundation of critical theory. Well, Christianity offers not just one, but three fundamental universal identity markers which are shared by all human beings, whatever race, class, whatever their sexuality, whatever their gender, whatever their experience. And these are, we have been created in the image of God. Sin, we all have sinned, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Jesus died for all. So we find now that the final objection that we might bring is the rejection of hegemonic power. You say, well, surely you want 
to reject hegemonic power. Surely you don't want to uphold hegemonic power. If you do, that just shows what kind of identity group you belong to. But the truth is, those in critical theory also want to gain hegemonic power, but they don't say that just yet. They just want to tear down other hegemonic powers and let them tear them all down. Let them tear all human structures down. But there is one overriding, sovereign, omnipotent, uncreated God who holds all power. The Bible is nothing, actually, than one colossal hegemonic discourse from start to finish. That's what it says. And they agree with that. They agree that the Bible is hegemonic. That's why it should be rejected. However, when you understand that God is who he is, he has all the power in the universe and he's the only one who's told the true story of, the re of reality in the Bible. This means there's one true story of religion, one true story of morality, one true story of sexuality, one true story of gender and so forth. And that's found in the Bible. Now, I understand that this is totally unacceptable to people who don't believe in the Bible. I understand it's a huge stumbling block for people when they try to believe in the Bible who come from oppressed groups. I understand that. But either God exists or he doesn't. The Bible is the word of God or it isn't. Jesus came to save us or he didn't. He died on the cross to save us or he didn't. Or he, he was raised again from the dead or he isn't raised from the dead. He's coming again or he isn't coming again. That doesn't depend your point of view, whatever race you are in, whatever, whatever background you're from, these things are true whether you believe them or not or whoever says them because God says them out. That is the test of faith. And I'm concerned that Christians today are taking more account of critical theory than they should. There's stuff that we can learn from it. But if we're not careful, it conflicts so much with Christianity and this whole thing. The Bible is one whole giant, colossal, hegemonic, hegemonic discourse from start to finish. That's what critical theory says. So you will not really be able to bring the Bible into this kind of discussion unless you can point out the error that people have rejected, not in a thinking kind of way. Now, perhaps there's one more thing we could say about the Christian objection to cr critical uh, theory, and that is this moral asymmetry between the oppressor and the oppressed. And what that is, is that, look, um, and we've got examples here, of which, which are on the, the screen for you, of people who have written the most appalling things, the most outrageous things. But because they are people who are saying the things against those who are perceived to be holding the hegemonic power, that's fine. That's fine. It's okay, because it's righteous and just to do that. Actually, the truth is, is there's no moral asymmetry. Yes, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We understand that. And there are people who are worse down the line of sin than others. And there are people who are more oppressed uh, and more guilty in certain sins than others. But there is, there is no way that the rules that I apply for my life and what I can say and do don't apply to your life because you are in the wrong group. And that's what tends to happen with critical theory. And so the insistence that individuals from different demographic groups should be held to different moral standards purely on the basis of their group identity is deeply unbiblical. Sin is not rooted in power dynamics. It is rooted in the violation of God's commands in thought, word 
and deed. And so those are some of the issues that we take with critical theory, but remember there are some good strengths. And when we come to talk about what we do from here, we need to build on the strengths and the, the ground that we have in common with critical theorists, but be very, very clear, we don't follow them in any of this stuff which is contradictory to Holy Scriptures and to the God of the Bible.